you choir. And that's part of what we're going to talk about this morning, talking about battles. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a battlefield or not. Uh, I had a, the, the opportunity a couple years ago to uh, go to a leadership conference in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And during my few days there, I was led through Gettysburg and I was told how that Civil War battle unfolded you know, in, the, in the town of Gettysburg. And it was really a fascinating experience. I mean, I'll never forget walking along the battlefield and hearing the stories and how the Union Army and the Confederate Army went head to head there and all the different scenarios that happened and the different twists and turns in the battle. And one thing I noticed as I was studying the Battle of Gettysburg is that there are basically two opposing forces that, are tr- that really serve to um, keep the army from being victorious. The first one is obvious. You, know, you have two armies coming together. There's one army that's obviously going to be opposing the other. And so that's your main opponent is the other army. But there's another opponent that I didn't really take into account until I actually walked on the battlefield. And it was actually the battlefield itself was a barrier to victory. And Gettysburg, with its different hills and fields and different protruding rock formations, and the town itself that sits in the middle of several roads that come together, all of this served to be a barrier for both armies as they sought to obtain the victory. And like I said, I haven't been to many battlefields, but I went to that one. But I would imagine that in any battlefield, uh, you have both the opposition of the other army as well as the battlefield itself proposes uh, some uh, barriers to victory. And I think that's true in life as well. In the battlefield of life, you know, we face barriers and we face opposition to uh, walk with God by faith, to obtain the promises of God. And this morning we're going to be talking about a faith that triumphs. And as you heard earlier uh, stated that we've been walking through Hebrews chapter 11 and we've looked at a number of people who have exhibited faith in God. So as they encountered a crisis, you know, a moment of decision, they, they pursued it with faith in God and they walked through it, they passed through it. And this morning we're going to talk about a faith that triumphs. And this word triumph means to uh, enjoy success or experience victory. And the way I would define faith that triumphs would be this way. I'd say uh, faith that triumphs is a faith that is taking hold of God's promises even in the midst of circumstances, no matter what they are, whether they're good or bad. You're still taking hold of God's promises by faith. Maybe another way to put it would be that a faith that triumphs is... One that experiences results of the victory, even in the midst of battle. And so you're in the midst of the battle, yet you're experiencing some of the results of the victory. So that's how I would define a faith that triumphs. And the passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning, I think will help us to live out this, this faith that triumphs. It will, it will help us to experience the results of the victory that is ours in Christ even in the midst of the battlefield of life. And so the passage we're going to look at this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through 31. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. And if you don't, there's actually one in the pew in front of you you can use. 
And while you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of the context. You know, the writer of Hebrews desires that Christians would cling to the promises of God by faith, even in the midst of the battles of life. That's what he's trying to get across. And so he lists several examples of people who have walked by faith. And now he's going to turn our attention not just to individual examples, but he's going to turn our attention to a community of faith and how this community of faith experienced a faith that triumphed even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so if you look at Hebrews eleven twenty nine through 31, this is what it says. It says, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on the dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so in these few verses, I want to highlight the two events that he makes mention of. This, this passing through the Red Sea and seeing the walls of Jericho fall down. I want to look at those two events. And then I want to look at this third event or this third person, Rahab, and see how these illustrate to us how we can have a faith that triumphs and why the Hebrew writer is explaining it for us. The first example is a well-known one. It's the crossing of the Red Sea. I mean, this is a well-known event and has been in the history of God's people for centuries. You know, people have always looked back at this and saw the personal nature of God and how He brought His people through the Red Sea as well as the power of God and how He could accomplish such a task. But you may recall the story. The people of God were enslaved in Egypt and being oppressed. And God raised up a leader. His name was Moses. And Moses, through a number of different scenarios and circumstances, by faith led those people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And Pharaoh agreed to let them go because of what God was doing to his people. And then finally they allowed him, the Egyptians allowed them to go. And so they set out into the wilderness to go to take hold of the promised land that God had promised their ancestors. And so as they're walking through the land, they come to the Red Sea. And it's not long after that that they also realize that the Egyptians had changed their minds and they want to again enslave the people of Israel, the people of God's people. And so they're marching behind them, they're closing in behind them, and then they're facing this, this sea, this impassable sea. And so on the one hand, you have this, this blockade of the sea, you know, we can't get across it. And then on the other hand, you have this Egyptian army closing in on them. And so the people of God were hindered from moving forward with God because of the sea. And they couldn't go around or find a different way because of the Egyptian army closing in on them. And so what you saw is, you saw the, the people of God, they were hindered by a barrier and there was also this militant force coming in behind them. And we might say they were you know, in between a rock and a hard place. You know, there, was, there was really nowhere to go. And in the midst of that, you had thousands and thousands of people. And clearly there were some people there that were, that were experiencing extreme anxiety and fear. And we know it from the text itself. You know, back in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 11 through 12, this is... 
These are some of the, the comments that were overheard. And Moses being the leader, obviously he was you know, absorbing a lot of this and getting a lot of these complaints. And these were the complaints. The people were saying, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. These people preferred slavery over walking in faith with God. And so there were a few people within the group that was, they were just not embracing this vision that Moses was casting and they just were not holding fast to, to God's plan to deliver them into the promised land. But then there were some full of faith, like Moses, for example. Here's what he tells them in Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And just notice the contrast here between these two people. Moses says, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. You know, what a contrast. You have a group that says, we would rather be back in slavery. And then you have this other group that says, God is going to deliver. God is going to work here. We're going we're to trust the Lord. We're going to have faith that He's going to make a way for us. He's going to make a way forward. And He's going to allow us to inherit what He has promised. And so you have these two contrasting communities, even within the broader community. But then they actually saw the Lord deliver. And what the Lord did is not only did He part the Red Sea, but He also defeated this militant force that was coming behind them. You know, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 29, says, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So God helped them both pass through the barrier and at the same time, defeated this militant force that was coming to derail them and take them back into slavery. And so they saw their faith triumph in a number of ways. One is, and see if you can relate to this, even in the midst of that seemingly hopeless situation, there was still a group of people within the people of God there that said, you know, even, even in the midst of difficulty, I believe God's going to work. And there seemed to be a... A drying up, if you will, a drying up of, of their fear and their anxiety, even in the midst of the battle. You know, they were, they were not experiencing victory yet, but yet their fears and their anxiety was drying up, even before the land dried up in front of them. And there were others who were paralyzed by their fear. And were so paralyzed and so fearful that... They began to even desire being enslaved again than experiencing life with God. And maybe, maybe some of you can relate to that as well. But what we see here is that God, He acts and He takes care of both this barrier that's in front of them as well as this force that is behind them. This barrier to the future, He clears a way for them to move forward and then He also destroys this force from their past. That allows them and liberates them to move forward in faith with Him. And you see that 
you know, the people of God. And this is true for you and for me as well. God allows us to experience you know, the waves of hope even before the sea is, is parted. Even in the midst of battle, we can experience some of the results of victory. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about that in just a moment. But first, I want to look at that second event that the writer of Hebrews brings up. And it's the battle of Jericho. God liberates His people from Egypt, parts the Red Sea, they're moving forward in faith. They come to the border of the promised land. This is the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were very familiar with this promise. It's been hundreds of years in the making. They're at the border of the land. And Moses decides to send in 12 spies to kind of spy out the land, you know, figure out what they're up against. They go into the land, they come back. 10 of the 12 tell the people, there's no way we're going to take this land. The walls are too fortified. The people are massive. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's impassable. It's impossible. We can't do it. And the people listen to them. And there are a few, few spies that say, no, we can do this. You know, God can overcome. I mean, he, he parted the Red Sea. Surely we can, he, can, he can deal with this fortified city and these, these great big warriors, right? Well, ten said, no, I don't think so. And the people followed the ten. And what resulted was 40 years in the wilderness, just wandering around in the wilderness. Uh, they were not partaking of the promises of God that he, had, he told them that he would give them if they just moved forward in faith. Well, 40 years passed. And once again, they're on the border of the promised land. And this time, a man named Joshua was going to seek to lead the people into the promised land. But again, there was this other fortified city with large people, well-equipped army, and it's called Jericho. Jericho sat in the way of the promised land, of taking the promised land. So what are they going to do? Are they going to be paralyzed by fear again and retreat back into the wilderness? Or are they going to move forward in faith? Well, Joshua sends in some spies again to spy out the land. They go in and then they are taken in by a prostitute named Rahab. Now, before we get to Rahab, I want to tell you the strategy that God gave Joshua to conquer this well-fortified city. Okay? In Joshua 6, this is what God tells them to do. He tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go around this well-fortified city. I want you to march around at one time per day for six days. And then God tells them to do this. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. I think we would all agree that this is a fairly unusual way to conquer you know, a well-fortified city. But at this point, in the lives of the people of God, they were at this point where they said, you know, I've seen God do some unusual things. I mean, He delivered us out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He provided for us and gave us what we needed to, to sustain us, even in the wilderness. You know, if He's going to tell us to do this, I, we're just going to do it. We're going to, by faith, we're going to do what God tells us to do, and that's exactly what they did. And the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 30, he says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. 
And so the people move forward and they experience that victory. And I think what we see here, and I think this is why the writer of Hebrews includes this for the New Testament people of God, for you and for me, those who are walking by faith in Christ. I think we are, we are also hindered by two forces, two um, barriers, so to speak. You have, you have a barrier that we, we run into sometimes that tend to, tends to hinder our faith. And then there's also this militant force that's, that tends to you know, seek to derail our faith in Christ. And so although, you know, you and I, we don't, we don't, you know, we're not at the shore of the Red Sea. We don't have the, this big body of water that we literally have to cross. And we don't have these large walls of Jericho standing in front of us. And we're not sitting there wondering, you know, how am I going to overcome this well-fortified city? Even though we don't have those, we do have certain barriers that we face. And we face these, whether you're a Christian or you're not, you're still going to face these barriers because they're true, because you know, we, we live in a broken world. And so there are barriers you're going to face just because you live in a broken world. And some of those barriers may be financial problems or troubles or crises that may not have been brought on by you, but they just happen to you. You know, because of forces outside of your control. You could be facing relationship crises. You know, there may be relationship issues that you don't have, you can't control the people around you, and yet you have this problem and it seems like a hopeless situation. You know, maybe it's something in your school or your job, and it's just one of those things that you think, you know, this is a, it's like I'm hitting a wall here. You know, is there any way to get past this point? Will I ever get past this point? Or maybe it's a health challenge. You know, maybe it's something that either you have or a loved one has, and there's there's no healing in sight. There's no way of okay, how am I going to get past this or get over this or you know get healing, so to speak. And so there's all these barriers that you face, whether you're a Christian or you're not. They're just realities because we live in a broken world. You know, I'm wondering, have you ever been there? Maybe you're there now. Have you been in a situation where it's just hopeless? I mean, you can't, you just cannot see. Is there any way out of this? You know, I heard one time that uh, people who uh, contemplate suicide, it's not that they want to die. It's just that they're in a situation where they cannot see any other solution they've lost hope there is there is no other solution that enters their minds of them getting past this problem that they're having and so the only viable solution is to take their own life you know suicide is prompted by hopelessness and i'm sure many of the of the people of god there when they were facing the red sea when they were facing the walls of Jericho, when they were facing whatever crisis they were facing throughout this uh, chapter in Hebrews, there was that point where they had to say, you know, am I going to revert back or lose hope or am I going to trust God and move forward and trust Him to deliver and bring about what He wants to bring about in my life? So the question that I want to ask is, you know, if you are faced with that type of situation, how do you 
How do you move forward? I mean, how do you have a faith that triumphs, so to speak? How do you have a faith that is filled with hope, even in the midst of a hopeless situation? Well, to answer that question, I want to look at Rahab. And I want to see how God worked in her life in the midst of this situation she was in. It says in the book of Hebrews that Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so Rahab was in one of these situations that she had to determine, okay, am I going to align myself with God and His people or am I going to stick with this political kingdom that I'm in, Jericho? Where is my allegiance going to fall? And Rahab was very aware that there were many forces at work in the world. I mean, she saw it coming. She saw how God was delivering the people. And she saw all the things that were happening. And we see the same things, right? Even though you may not be facing a a nation against you, there are still uh, forces and circumstances that we face. Not only do we face the barriers that I talked about earlier, these, these situations that we're all in because we live in a broken world, but we also face this militant force. And we saw Rahab right in the midst of this, but just... Paul's there for a second, and let me tell you that you have the barriers, but you also have this militant force. For example, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Ephesians 6, 10-13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So we not only face the barriers to our faith in this broken world. But we also face this militant force that is seeking to derail our faith in Christ. And going back to Rahab, she saw this at work. I believe that she not only saw the the armies at work, you know, you could see how the people of God were conquering certain armies and whatnot, but I believe she believed there was something even greater going on there than just military battles. And the reason that Rahab hid those spies, you ever thought about that? When the spies came in to spy out her land, her country, her kingdom, so to speak, her people, she brings them in and she gives them shelter. And then when the authorities of her city come looking for them, she lies and tells them that, you know, yeah, they went that way, you know, (laughs) and they were hid over here. why, Why would Rahab do such a thing? Well, this is what she tells the spies in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9, verses 9 through 14. Here's what she says. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you you devoted to destruction. 
And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to this, for the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. See, Rahab, she didn't say, well, you just have a very strategic army. Or you have this latest military weaponry. See, she saw beyond that. She saw, no, your, your God is the God of the heavens and the earth. He is the one true God. And then she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. See, what Rahab did is he looked, she looked back at what God had done, the history, what God had done, and then she looked forward to what God was going to do. And she says, for we have heard. She had heard what God had done. And let me just ask, you know, how, how do we hear what God has done? You know, the primary way you and I hear about what God has done is through the Scripture, through the Bible. And that is the primary way we hear about what God has done and what He will do. And so if you want a faith that triumphs, if you want to experience what God offers you, you must remember what God has done for you and what God promises to do for you. And the best way to nurture such a faith is by feeding it the Word of God. I mean, that's the diet it lives off of. You, got, you need to feed it the Word of God. You need to remember what God has done through Christ for you. And you have to cling to what He will do through Christ for you. you know, when Rahab, she heard what God had done, faith was, was birthed in her soul, and she decided to trust the one true God instead of aligning herself with this political kingdom of Jericho. And Rahab gives us a glimpse of how we experience this, this faith that triumphs. You know, we must remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Because we will face the barriers in life that we all face. But we also face the power of sin. The power of the devil. And the power of death. Now my question is how do you overcome that? You might figure out a way to navigate some of the barriers that you face. Because we all face them. Christian, non-Christian, you're going to face the barriers. You may navigate through the financial crisis. The relational crisis the health crisis, but how are you going to navigate the power of sin, the power of the devil, and the power of death? And what we see here is that the only way, the only way for us to even now experience some of the results of victory over those things is if we have faith in the one who has conquered those things. See, it's only through Jesus Christ that we see the power of sin conquered. It's only through Jesus Christ that you see the power of death conquered when He's raised from the dead. And you only see Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ the power of the devil conquered. You know, it is Christ who fulfilled what you saw in Genesis that the son or the child of the woman, the son of the woman, the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. That only comes through Christ. And so though you may navigate the barriers of life, when it comes to the militant force of the devil, sin, and death, 
there's only one conqueror, and his name's Christ. And the only way you can experience the results of victory over those things, even now, and what that looks like is even in the midst of the battle, you can experience peace. You can experience joy, and you can experience the power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you can experience hope. How can you do that? Well, the only way you can do that is if you are in the one who has conquered all of those enemies. And that is, that is in Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so Rahab, she saw, and I hope you see, the only way to life is through trusting God. It's only, it's only through the way God has provided for us to have life. And so as we face difficult situations, we must realize that the way of life is through Christ. And we must reflect on both what God has done in the past. And we know it by reading His Word. And what God will do for the person who has faith in Him. We face barriers. And we face this militant force that seeks to derail our faith. But listen to that passage again in 1 Peter chapter 5. That I read earlier. But I want you to read some of the verses around it. 1 Peter 5, 6-11. through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what Peter's saying is, whether you're facing different sufferings or barriers, or whether you're facing that militant force of the devil, sin and death, there's only one way for us to be sustained and, and promised a future hope, and that is through faith in Christ. The only way we can walk through the battlefield of life with a faith that triumphs is if we have faith in Jesus Christ, the one who has conquered sin, death, and the devil. Let us pray. Lord, we face many challenges. Whether, whether we're Christians or not, we know that life is filled with many challenges. But Lord, perhaps there's more going on than just these financial challenges or relational challenges, problems at work, health challenges. Perhaps there's something even more formidable. And we see that in Your Word. How are we going to navigate this? How are we going to live a life that experiences peace and joy, forgiveness, love, grace, mercy? How, how do you do that? Lord, You tell us that the way that we receive all of those results of victory is if we place our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin and we align ourselves with You rather than the kingdoms of this world. 
Lord, I pray for each person here. As they face, as they face these different barriers in their lives. And even as they wrestle with deeper issues of what the devil's doing. What sin is doing in their life. Death. Lord, I pray that we would run to you. Or that we would not be like the Egyptians who wanted to run from you. But that we would be like Moses and Joshua and Rahab and run to you in faith. Lord, that's our prayer. And we lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.